0: Welcome to Bodyholic with D. This is episode number 19. My name is D. Katz-Shahar and I am a public health promoter. I attained my MPH from Tel Aviv University on the research track. I am a fitness trainer with over 17 years of experience and specializations in corrective exercise, women's fitness, and Pilates. I am also the founder and trainer of Bodyholic, the global health and fitness platform and community, and the author of Rip It Up For Good. This podcast is a part of my effort and mission as a public health professional because I believe that real science-based information and knowledge is power and my job in this life is to empower you. I want you to have high and sustained energy throughout the day and I want you to feel better than you have ever felt before, during, and after your workouts, in and out of your clothes, and not only physically but mentally and emotionally as well. Now, I want you to kick back and enjoy today's show because I think everybody on the planet should hear today's episode. My guest today is Carl Sterling. He is a neurorehabilitation specialist and NASM master trainer based in Syracuse, New York, and is the creator of the Parkinson's Regeneration Training and Neuromotor Training education programs. While his extensive experience as a rehabilitation specialist includes working with a variety of populations, he primarily specializes in working with clients who have movement disorders, such as Parkinson's disease, multiple system atrophy, MS, Alzheimer's, epilepsy, autism, and more. Carl travels all over the world as a public speaker, a keynote speaker, and educator in the movement disorders, human movement, and personal growth arenas. He is the chief operating officer of Agile Human Performance, and the owner and CEO of Neuromotor Training, LLC, which currently offers courses worldwide. In addition, Carl is the founder and president of the Parkinson's Global Project Project, a nonprofit foundation dedicated to funding education and research and helping people with Parkinson's and other movement disorders all over the world. He is the author of Parkinson's Empowerment Training and Parkinson's Regeneration Training, two highly recommended books. And without further ado, I want us to dive right in to one of the most fascinating conversations I've had I think maybe ever. So sit back and enjoy it. And this is part one, by the way, of I think two, maybe three. And let me know what you think. Hello, Carl Sterling. How are you?
1: I feel great. And it's really good to see you again. And I really appreciate you having me, Dee. You're, you're You're doing some really great things and I'm highly honored to be on your program. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, That means a lot to me because I am very honored that you are here. And uh, in fact, right before you and I went on Zoom, I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, we were just catching up how he's doing, how I'm doing. And I was like, I have to get ready because I have The world's expert on training for Parkinson's, and this is an extremely important interview. So I'll catch you (laughs) later. So I really am.
1: uh, You're too kind. (laughs)
0: Honored. (laughs) Um, So we're going to dive in, and the first thing is maybe providing a little bit of an introduction to how you actually got into the field, because. If I remember correctly, it wasn't your intention originally.
1: Oh, no, not at all. I'll give you the fastest version I can. I grew up in a musical household. I started playing drums at the age of four. My mom has a music degree. She was a teacher. My dad, they met in college, Ithaca College, great school for music still and always was. Um, So I started playing at four. I got real serious at nine years old and i started playing professionally out doing gigs at 14 because drums were my thing and i really loved it um so i was in the union and i get rides to gigs from either my mom or a musician and play professionally and this led to a career of 35 um 35 years full time um of which uh you know i i if you don't can i go into a little bit of personal stuff just real quick
0: if you're comfortable then yeah yeah this is out there
1: i mean i have a book coming out about this soon about addiction absolutely yeah it's about addictions because you know i've had my issues over the years um mine was just alcohol and food you know and sugar so i don't drink um i can't and i don't and i what happened was i i gained a lot of weight i got to be a pretty big guy. I'm six foot two, but at six foot two, you're not supposed to weigh like 285, 290 pounds, or maybe 135, 40 kilos, right? That's too big for me. So this is uh let's see, I'm 62 now, so when it's 48, and my annual physical, <laughs> my doctor says, Hey, dude, you you I, you know he's he's like a friend. he's like you're going down the wrong path. And I'm really worried because, you know, type 2 diabetes, you're, you're full-blown, you know, you got that, you got high blood pressure, you got all kinds of problems. And if you don't change your life, you might not be here as long as you want. I was scared to death, so I just went out to the parking lot, shed a few tears, called up a trainer, borrowed money. The next day, I went to his clinic, uh, His um, I, I trained with him. Three days a week, and on the off days, I was in there doing cardio, and I lost 70 pounds in one year, and I thought, geez, you know, I feel really good, and I think if I could help people feel better like I feel, maybe they'd see hope and possibility, so I did the NASM National Academy of Sports Medicine personal training thing, and being the geek I am, complete nerd. (laughs) I went uh, master trainer route right away, master educator route with them. And then, uh, oh, man, I I went back to school for nutrition at Syracuse University when I was 51. Wow. Did the program because I wanted to add to my scope of practice. Because, you know, you can do a lot through diet. Probably more, you can't out-exercise a bad diet, but you can... You, you can do a lot Absolutely. with that. So you know, adding that to the scope. Plus, I had Wednesdays off. I ended up working up there. It was really cool because I met. So they was just such. I was a master trainer. Like, oh man, we're going to give you all, the administrators, PhD candidates, and all this stuff. And so I really met some great people. The, the pay was horrible, but it didn't matter because it was worth it in the experience. Wednesdays off. drove to New York City almost every Wednesday because I'm four hour drive from there. I would hang around with like other like really gurus Um, uh, number one still my my best friend dr brent Brooke Bush, who i ended up teaching for for a few years Brooke Bush institute of human performance um erin drogaseski rick Ritchie. i ended up working for dr dr emily splickle because i started the podcast then too
0: mm-hmm.
1: i just wanted to learn so mm-hmm. um when, when i was in school though just tying it in together to actually answer your question about well that's how i got into the business i was completely just i still can't believe all the things we can do to help people feel better and move better but my first semester in college uh back at school one of my professors came to me and said hey you know i know you work up there can you help me build muscle and move better because i have parkinson's and that began my journey and just to add a little wow. caveat here, uh, my son, I'll brag for one moment. He's an MD and a PhD, and he happened to be doing his PhD at the time. So I called him up, said, Nick, man, I don't know what to do. I got a person with Parkinson's. He says, I'll hook you up. So he hooked me up with his mentor, Dr. Xu Mei Wong, an amazing lady, Hershey, Hershey Penn State College of Medicine. Boom. The journey began, and I've been geeking out ever since.
0: That's amazing. So
1: that's my story. That's, I mean, it's it's been a really unbelievable journey.
0: The universe uh wanted you to specialize in this. It just like evidently. Wow. Yeah, evidently. <laughs> um the benefits of exercise and physical training on conditions like Parkinson's and mul- multiple system atrophy, MSA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, could we get into the benefits a little bit? And of course, you can you can uh, expand on any background that you that you think is important regarding the diseases.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I'm glad you asked this question. Such a good question. Um, if if I was to answer it in two words, I'd say just like keep moving. Doesn't matter who you are either. Just keep moving. If you're confined to a wheelchair, God forbid, keep moving somehow. Keep moving. If I could expand it a few words, I'd say use your body, move your body, use your brain every single day. Okay, so I think probably one of the most important things is that, um, and I've seen this in my travels, and, you know, most of the time, it's everyone's cool, it's great. But it would probably be really important to mention and remiss if I didn't mention that um, sometimes I'll notice that people especially professionals like movement specialists trainers physios and for a multitude of reasons which we don't need to go into um, a lot of times they'll see a person with Parkinson's MSA anything cancer you know whatever it's real important to realize that their diagnosis does not define who they are we have half the people who walk through the store live with Parkinson's. They are not Parkinson's. There are people who live with Parkinson's, just like I live with tight hamstrings. I mean, it's completely Absolutely. different, but I'm not a tight hamstring, you know, and I don't want to sound ridiculous, but they're people first, and maybe they had a heart uh, problem. Maybe they had cancer. Maybe they had a hip replacement. Maybe they had brain surgery. Maybe they had, maybe they have tight calves. I mean, It comes down to their people first. So when we look at um, aging in general, man, I don't know how to say this real simply. But if we look at, let's just say, uh, I guess because I see this so much, we see so many people who are 70s and up, like they're retired for a few years and more years, okay, if they don't keep moving, no matter Parkinson's, MSA, or anything, it's uh, so many bad things can happen, you know. And especially if you're not watching out for what you eat, what you put into your body, and how you, how much you move. Not just your body, but also keeping your brain active, keeping your mind busy, and doing both um, together. So if we go into the um, neuro, let's say the neurological diagnosis um, situations or movement disorders. It's really interesting because, you know, a person with Parkinson's, if if we look at Parkinson's multiple system atrophy and um, progressive supranuclear palsy, and then there's one other one. I I can't pronounce the word if I remembered the word, but basically there are four things primarily, plus, you know, Parkinson-isms and all this other stuff that have an area of the brain that is particularly affected in a bad way. Like the substantia nigra resides and is housed inside the basal ganglia. That's in the very center of the brain. The substantia nigra is a real important brain uh, part of the brain because this is the primary dopamine production center of the brain. Okay, so if brain cells are dying, what happens is not as much dopamine is produced. Why is that important? Well, a lot of reasons. Dopamine is not only a neurotransmitter, okay, along with a lot of other neurotransmitters, but it's real important in uh, the role that it plays in helping us coordinate movement. For example, if you see a, a Parkinson, a person with Parkinson's um, stuck, and they'll often, you'll, you'll read this in various texts and uh, hear it maybe from people saying, it feels like their feet are glued to the floor. Mm. Okay, and they just can't get going, but they know they want to take that step. Like, oh, well, they might have to trick themselves. Okay, we can get into that later. But uh, that's called akinesia, the temporary loss of voluntary movement. I have to go off on a a nerd note here for a minute, is that there are five primary features. I don't know why the medical world calls them features, but uh, motor symptoms of Parkinson's. Most people think there are four, there are five. Um, Akinesia is the one that gets left out a lot. Okay, so that's loss, temporary loss of voluntary movement. We have, um, okay, akinesia, resting tremor or tremors, rigidity, stiffness, bradykinesia, slowness of movement, and then the, the mother of them all, which is the worst one, is postural instability. Which really is responsible for more falls than mm-hmm. all the other ones combined. Mm-hmm. And of course, our number one concern in the Parkinson's population are falls, because statistically, not to scare anyone, but we might as well speak truths, because I'm a truth seeker, a truth, truth speaker. Uh, number one cause of mortality in the Parkinson's population are complications from a fall, not necessarily the fall they could fall down bang their head go to the hospital get pneumonia or covid or right. whatever and then it gets it's so like all this stuff is tied in together because statistically the number two cause of mortality as of when i wrote my book a couple of years ago still it was complications from breathing issues so they might have fallen but now they have a breathing issue because of who knows what okay so now let's dial mm-hmm. way way back to why is it important to keep moving okay Um, Now we know what's going on in Parkinson's primarily. We know that dopamine production is uh, uh, decreasing, it's diminishing. Same thing with multiple system atrophy, although in progressive supranuclear palsy, but Parkinson's is the most common of them all. The other two are very rare, but they're out there. Um, The bottom line is, if we have less dopamine produced, well, what do we want to do? We want to produce more dopamine. So, of course, we have dopamine replacement medications like Cinnamet, Levodopa, Carbidopa, and there's some other ones out there, too. Dosages and frequency of uh, um, uh, consuming these will vary between people, you know, and how they're Mm -hmm. affected. But the bottom line is that provides them from an outside source a little supplement. Right. It right. goes through, it breaks the blood brain barrier and does its job, hopefully to an, a degree enough enough to get them in what we call an on state where they're they're moving um, more optimally and they're at less risk of falling, functioning better, better control over digits, uh, you know, flancy limbs, um, maybe less tremors, less rigidity. Um but when we exercise, we can produce more neurochemicals uh, like dopamine. Dopamine can be produced. I gotta show you this book. We're starting a program here. Okay, I'll come back, folks. I promise it's my tangent mode. <laughs> no, I, Neurologic- I
0: I love this.
1: Neurologic book of- for music therapy. My mm-hmm. favorite book about music theory. theory therapy ever I was a music major in college the first 4 years of my life when I got out of high school cuz that was my career but um this book is like a heavy duty textbook I've been studying it for 4 years we have a drumming for parkinson's program we just started here we can get into that too in a while but the bottom line is we want to produce more dopamine so how can we do this naturally well movement is one way uh, specifically, though, just really want to clarify it. An elevated heart rate is going to produce more positive neurochemicals than just um, a, not as elevated or, you know, just lifting weights. Or, But it's all good. Any kind of exercise is going to be good, right? Uh, the advantages of elevated heart rate, is that you get more of the brain-derived neurotrophic factor produced by that. That's the number one way to produce BDNF. BDNF, a lot of people have probably heard of it. The reason it's so important is because it is like John Rady, who's been on my podcast, um, uh, best-selling author author of uh, Harvard. Dr. Rady talks about how BDNF is like miracle grow for the brain. Because when it is produced, it circulates within the brain and it helps to, by attaching itself to um, brain cells, to neurons, and uh, between neurons and the connecting areas, helps to maintain cellular structure, cellular int- integrity, cellular functionality, synaptical functionality, mm. neuro pathway integrity, and brain uh, cellular health, and helps to pro- um, delay the. Pro- the death of cells and and it can sorry another nerd note there are two areas of the brain where um brain cells can be born as of a year ago last when i talked with dr rady it's still only two areas and it's the cerebrum. i'm sorry no 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 not the cerebellum, the hippocampus and the olfactory bulb So as I take a breath here, I say that one thing, we we tracked nine people in Mexico five years ago. I, I go there a lot to teach and work at a couple clinics. Uh, nine people with Parkinson's, all with complete loss of sense of smell. After we got them moving through various means of barefoot stimulation and all this other stuff. And that's a long story. Um, within three months, seven out of nine had a, their sense of smell back to some degree. And after six months, all nine people did. We suspect, I have no imaging, I have no nothing. I just know that they all did cardio a lot. Mm. And so I can only guess that the olfactory bulb groups some new brain cells and they got a sense of smell back to some degree. So, you know, plus there's research that shows in Alzheimer's that Muriel Schreiber Foundation came out with a study about five, six years ago that early stage Alzheimer's. Cardio, five days a week, 30 minutes a day for six months, uh, 94% of the participants, and I don't know how many there were, but it was over 100, had improved memory and in some cases, no more symptoms of Alzheimer's because the hippocampus, which is the most affected brain in Alzheimer's, had grown new brain cells.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Sorry, I get really excited about this stuff and then I don't be quiet. But I no, think
0: but I'm able to I, get I, it out.
1: I just want people to know that there's hope out there. And there's some answers I just gave you in the past few minutes about why is it so important to keep moving? Oh my god. My gosh. And John Rady talks a- with me. It's just I'm gonna interject one thing. I'm sorry, D. Um, no, no, no. John Rady says the area, the part of the brain, the part of the body that benefits most from physical exercise is are you ready the brain so there we go um
0: first of all please uh feel free to the the nerd notes that you like to that's what you call (laughs) and all that this is crucial crucial and and um I purposely don't interrupt you. I think you're saying things that are ex- extremely important. Is there a BPM that um, that I want to hit when I'm doing that 30 minute a day, five days a week to uh, regenerate cells?
1: Uh, that's a really good question. So you're talking heart rate, correct?
0: Yeah, you are okay. right, right. right. So-
1: um, they, I, I've actually read conflicting data on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know definitely zone two is going to help. So zone then, two,
0: meaning the place where you could still say a few words, but you don't mm-hmm. really want to hold a full conversation. Would I be correct?
1: Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, zone two is going to help in a lot of ways, you know, cardiovascular endurance and some. Calorie burn, fat burn, I think. Um, the thing is, though, there there are varying formulas. And I'm not going to go into this because I don't consider myself to be an expert in this area. Um, in the United States, one of the most common formulas is the uh, 220 minus your age and then take a percentage mm-hmm. of right. that. Now, there's another one, and I actually can't remember. The other day. If you say it, I'll know it though. Thing starts with a K. There's another formula. Oh. And I think it's okay. your age times 0.64. Don't quote me. Don't mm-hmm, quote me. But mm-hmm. and then some other equation. And it comes out to be really close, but it's not the same.
0: Right. I like the talking test and I like the zones. Um yeah. so, like for instance, if I'm able to Uh, hold a full on conversation, you can see this sometimes when you're seeing people maybe go for walks together, and that's considered the cardio. Uh, Sometimes you'll see a full on conversation happening. And um, in my mind, because I'm a trainer, uh, I do want to say, you know, let's pick up the pace, but these aren't people that have anything to do with me, I'll just be walking by them and hearing a full conversation. I'm like, you're not in the zone. Um, And then to level that up, in, in the talking test, it would be, I guess, zone two is what we said that not really comfortable enough to have that full conversation. And that's, and that's a good cardio endurance, uh, zone. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, to kind of be at the top of zone two and correct me if I'm wrong or at the bottom of zone three, I just want the listeners to listen so that they can start implementing everything you just said. Um, so that would mean that you can say a few words, but you're already pushing it. It's already uncomfortable. You're really working.
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, exactly. There are a few other things that probably should be um, mentioned that or worth yes. mentioning. Okay. Number one. Okay. Let's start at the beginning. Dr. Lisa Moratori. Is is one of my biggest influences. Only even though we only met not even a handful of times, she's if, if I'm correct, I think she's still at Stony Brook University on Long Island. They have a beautiful movement disorders lab. It's just beautiful. But I learned so much from her. She, John Brady, um, oh, Wendy Suzuki out of NYU. She's a genius. I love her. Uh, I've had her on a few times. And she's a best-selling author, too. But all of them say first of all just go out and walk the equivalent this is if you deduce it down to, reduce it down to about about what they're all saying oh these are verbatim words from Dr Alisa moratori get out there walk as fast as you can safely meaning don't put yourself at risk of tripping and falling so be safe that's always first everybody safety first. But with that in mind, go as fast as you can. Maybe you have some walking poles. You know, a lot of times that can just, that extra sensory input of just a little tap on the palmar or skin or yep. the fingertips, you don't have to lean into them. You can just, we have people do it here and boom, 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 and they're flying. Right, right, right. And their posture's better. Their strides length, and their stride symmetry, and their arm swing and everything. So bottom line is, though, 20 to 25 minutes, walking as fast as possible is what it's going safely is going to be about the minimum time, minimum time it takes to get BDNF uh, swirling around in your head because your brain makes it, but only after a few minutes. With that said, you can make it faster if you go harder, faster, Mm -hmm. higher BPMs. So we can segue to there now and say, again, with safety in mind, do what you can, Now, what you can't. Push yourself. Don't hurt yourself or kill yourself. But if you can get going and you go do some hit training, maybe you're cranking out 30 seconds a minute or or whatever, and you're just going all out. Like you know, I'm a, an avid CrossFitter. I just I actually do it because I don't like to exercise that much. Isn't that funny? But I do it because I don't want to get big again. <laughs> I want to live a long time, and I want my brain to be good. Right. And I also want to be a, a decent. Role model for certain people. So, anyways, uh, if that's even possible. But I want the uh I yeah, I go hard. I I want BDNF in five or ten minutes. I don't want to wait 25 minutes. So go harder, faster if you can do it. Do it. We have people, Mm -hmm. probably one of the first people in here is going to be Joe. 62 Parkinson's beast mode, baby, all the time. And and I love it. He's doing some really serious power stuff then he's off for two three minutes doing something moderate and then boom he hits it whether it's the ropes or you no know two, three minute rounds all out punching on the bag or, or you know whatever so uh or the climbers we have climbers here from the climber company they're great mm-hmm. cardiovascular thing if you especially if you go hard you can really get the heart rate up so you know get that bdf going man there's nothing like it and and plus you're going to have dopamine. Right. You're going to have <laughs> that's... Other, other neurochemicals that are going to be produced during this movement and all of it. Plus, you get blood and oxygen to the brain because your heart's beating faster. I mean, what more could you ask for that's more healing than BDNF and oxygen? No. It's pretty much the no. miracle combo, you know?
0: I think I may have said, I, I don't, when we last spoke, um, I think... Maybe I said this to you where I was like, honestly, I feel like the, the answer to world peace is working out. <laughs> we just should all be like Seriously. working out together.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it is quite amazing. Well, you know, I don't, and I'm not saying this to be self-deprecating. This is just the God honest truth. I'm not smart enough to really think of anything original on my own. I don't come up with stuff uh, like out of picking out of my brain. Oh, this is a great idea! No, I learn from people. So I say that because here's here's some words from John Rady. One of the first things he says in the interview um, I did with him he says humans were designed to move. We we were not designed to sit in chairs. And be on Zoom. And Mm. I mean, thankfully, we can. I love that I get to know you. and We can reach people and maybe share a thing or two that might help somebody. That's beautiful. But I wasn't, you know, we weren't born to have phones where we just order, you know, Uber Eats and it shows up and I don't have to go get the, and I pay. I mean, you to have to go hunt the food. And that's what he talks about. So we can go back to that. No, I'm glad I don't have to go hunt my food. I like my garden, but, you know, that's easy, too. I got a rototiller, and I just, you know, plant seeds, and they grow. I don't have to go hunting and try to find it. It's there, or I go to the store. But we don't have to move time and do more in other ways now, right? But we do need to move, and we were designed to move, and if we don't move, disease eventually is probably just going to set in so we just have to keep moving
0: yeah
1: and and you know for anyone who is genetically predisposed to anything cancers uh alzheimer's parkinson's whatever that bdnf you're producing now without a diagnosis just assuming that's a situation okay Maybe that's your uh, your saving grace because maybe you never get Alzheimer's Parkinson's, but you would have if you didn't work out. So you can exercise can help to delay the onset, maybe eliminate the onset, mm-hmm. and re- reverse progression or slow down progression for those who are diagnosed. But bottom line is, yeah, it is just keep moving seriously.
0: Yeah, and it's um, I have to say maybe for me, that's more of an incentive than anything else, like brain health, knowing that I have the power to just be present a little bit longer, maybe I'm, I'm pushing something off, or maybe I'm preventing it. Um, That, you, you know, the, the thing that I hear most as a trainer is, uh, you know, I want to lose weight, and I want to look like this, and I want the abs. And it's the thing is, when you really get into the neuroscience, and when you when you get into the dopamine and the BDNF, and, and the things that it staves off, that, it, like, that's, You've got no like you have to work out today. <laughs> there's there's like that's yeah. the one that really I feel cancels out any excuse.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because it just reminded me of uh one of the ways that I shame myself into exercising. And I, I don't again, I am the consummate optimist. You know, this coffee cup is almost empty now, but it to me it's half full. And I say that just more as an analogy or um, whatever that word would be. I see possibility all the time. And in the worst situations, I choose to see this because I just don't have time to worry about stuff that will probably never happen and come to fruition. And, you know, something happens and I'll deal with it. But I am famous for complaining about not wanting to go to CrossFit or not wanting to exercise um and sometimes I don't go but I will do something in place of it maybe here or get on my bike mountain bike and ride but um you know I've been in situations where I've had a completely life-changing paradigm shift because of a person I meet here and there for example um there was a lady who she passed away a couple of years ago uh an amazing lady she was 56 or seven when I met her. She was diagnosed with multiple system atrophy MSA um just a horribly debilitating disease most of the time for people there there are a couple different forms of it you know cerebral and um parkinson's parkinsonism type I believe I could be wrong on that but I I think that's what it is it, it doesn't matter whatever it is you got MSA get moving and um so i meet her but she's already wheelchair bound she's barely she could barely talk and here i am i she has me come to her house right and i'm like what? why? why I, I mean i don't mean this disrespectfully why is she even why am i here seriously it, and the fact is no matter what she did she was never going to get up and walk again and, and I again, I'm the consummate optimist. I'm the one who would think she could. There's no way that woman could ever walk again, nor did she ever walk again. But you know what? She was still fighting for the best quality of life. She could maintain. We ended up doing manual stretching. A lot and vibration therapy with different things. I would bring just to take her hands, which were clenched like this, and she had cuts in her hands sometimes from her nails. So they had to trim her nails. Eventually, she wore gloves and just vibrate. We can talk about that if you want later. But wow. get the hands open and just manually stretch. You know, that's apparently in my state; it's within my scope of practice. And if it's not, I'm doing it anyways because I'm not hurting them, so they they feel better, right? But guess what? This amazing lady was fighting by the end of my days working with her she could no longer talk and it was like one blink for yes two blinks for no right things like that and then she lost control over her blinking um this is how bad it can get folks and it's so sad so so sad her daughter was there one day and i was joking with her i said hey wake up you can't be sleeping when you're working out and she's like. I could see her laughing. She lost control over her eyelids muscles and she couldn't open her eyes. So we had to go like this. Could you imagine that? Because she couldn't move her hands. Here's what I say, folks. It's a sad story, but there are people out there dealing with this. And if she can work out, then I'll be darned if I'm not going to work out because I have no excuse. I get oh up in God. the morning. I never have to worry about how to roll over in bed or get assistance to get up. Shame on Carl if Carl doesn't work out. You have no excuses, Carl. So that's what I, sometimes that's what it takes for me. But you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. Do it And I do it. I just do it. Because somebody Listen, else would um... give anything to take steps and walk across the room one more time and she'll never do it. But she's darn it. She's trying. What's my freaking excuse? So I have none.
0: I need the entire world to listen to this episode.
1: I get shivers when I talk about her because, you know, we really, really miss her a lot. She couldn't say much, but she said everything.
0: Oh, 100%. Absolutely. The fact that you showed up and even made her laugh a little bit when she couldn't even I mean that's that's someone who really lives until the end
1: she did she inspired so many and still
0: fights for it until the very end um I'm I'm just uh putting this my one earphone in the charger Mm -hmm. um because it was giving me a little message over there and uh, I think I also mentioned to you, Carl, that um I had a quite an experience with my grandfather, mm-hmm. um okay. where he was um, actually, he's the reason I got into fitness to begin with because I was uh, I was sixteen and we were getting me ready for the army, and I started going to because uh, in in Israel, you have to go to the army. and I specific sure. want I specifically wanted a job that need i needed to be pretty tough for yeah. the job so uh, i started training with him every day in the ymca in jerusalem and uh he there is a picture of him and me uh after we worked out in new york in Wash in new york sports club
1: oh, wow. uh, and this cool. is
0: well into my 20s um late 20s even uh, but at the at the end, and he didn't go for all the testing and the diagnoses, because at 87, um, he was rapidly losing control over his muscles. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't sound like ALS because of his age. Um, but it certainly appeared to be some form of ALS. Yeah. And uh, maybe, maybe. Something that you come across a lot more than me, and I know that at the and he would uh, have me train him almost on a daily basis, and it was already to the point where um, I would, uh, I had his arm, I had him holding on to a, and you can tell me if I was doing the right thing or not, but um, I had him against the window, mm-hmm. he had a big window. And I put a cloth under his hand and I was like, let's just start cleaning the window and get as high oh, as we can. And at one, and so he would really work hard to get up there. But at one point, I was already doing sure. maybe 50 at one point, 80% of the work. Um, but it was like, we're gonna keep moving until until it's the end, and that's exactly what
1: we did. Wow amazing that that's a great idea i never thought about it because i have like five really big mirrors here that need cleaning (laughs) (laughs) hey joe come on (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna clean the mirrors absolutely that's a great idea d yeah it was it was yeah yeah well you know the other thing too is i i was primarily known in the drumming world as more of a jazz or contemporary jazz drummer i mean i did everything from shows you know any whatever um but i like to improvise in a sensible way anyways and this career here my job allows for a lot of creativity and seriously something like cleaning a window what a great verbal cue was cleaning the window going up that that's beautiful i love that and this creativity is just it's that's one of the things that makes me so excited about all this, is because we can have these new ideas and uh, experiment. You know, and the coffee fairy just arrived. So, uh, my right hand person here, Elizabeth, is hello. Best thing that ever hello. happened to our Come in. Can she come and say hi, hi?
0: Elizabeth? Elizabeth, who are you? This is
1: D. How are you? We're we're Good. we're interviewing on her podcast. This lady right here.
0: In Stop. fact, Stop. when I when I um, heard that that you were coming in, uh, I was going to say, "Is that Elizabeth?" Uh.
1: <laughs> Stop! I uh, brought my favorite pour over today because guess what? I drink usually black coffee, and and if you like whatever you like, like if you like coffee or tea, um, try to make it healthy, folks. That'll help you produce a little BDNF. Believe it or not,
0: black yeah. coffee.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Well, any kind of coffee, but try to make it, you know, healthy.
0: Right. Not the blended, sugary, icy yeah. whipped cream version. Right, right.
1: Um, can, can I mention something? Do we have time for me to mention something?
0: You know what? Absolutely.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I we're I, What we're going to have to do, Carl, is we're going <laughs> to have to record two more episodes at least. Okay.
1: <laughs> Well, before this place gets busy here, um and even if okay even if it did, it doesn't matter, everybody knows me. um I'd like to just talk about addictions for a minute, yeah, and here's why. I had a really serious drinking problem, okay. well, why would I mention that on an episode like this? And trust me, it ain't about me, it's about we. Guess what happens when you drink alcohol? guess the first thing that's getting produced in your brain it's called dopamine same thing with cocaine i never did that never did heroin i never really did pot a couple of times but it just didn't like the smell of it but you know cigarettes sugars foods my addictions these days are three things coffee extremely hot peppers and uh, I hate to say it, potato chips, but I got to stay away from them. So I, I do eat them. I don't deprive myself completely, but I just love them, right? I don't have a sweet tooth. But the reason I'm mentioning this thing about addictions is because I have very a lot of experience trying to quit. I quit alcohol every day for a thousand days, probably, you know, until I actually quit years ago. Um, but is better than you within your body, and not from an outside source, unless it's prescribed by your neurologist or a physician, and it has to do with some reason you need it, like it's Parkinson's, MSA, PSP, whatever. Um, you, you you really want to be mindful of the fact that a couple of things, so this is what I want to segue into something real important. And we just had a long phone call, conference call last night about one of the people who comes in here. Okay, he lives with Parkinson's. He's also sixty-two. Um, he was a a welder, so we know that the welding population, because of the magnesium sulfate um, spinoff uh, byproduct, um, they have a higher percentage of Parkinson's cancers, a lot of other problems. Bottom line is not not that it not that it doesn't matter, but what what does matter though is no matter what. Um, I just kind of had an adhd moment here but i'm coming back around is when we look at um dopamine there there, there can be some uh addictive tendencies or binge behavior tendencies in people with parkinson's if they're on or, or msa or whatever if they're on a dose that's too high of dopamine replacement and If anyone out there is working with somebody with one of these who's taking a supplemental, you know, prescription dopamine medication, just be very, very mindful that if they come in and they're on a uh, hyper, if if they're talking about shopping and, you know, they've been going gambling and they're, or they doing any kind of, you know, excessive drinking or eating, you know, sugars and whatever, uh, gambling, hypersexual hyper, hyper any behavior, like hyper binge type behavior, or if they're just falling asleep all the time and they cancel it because they can't get off the couch, it could go either way. It could be hyper this or fall asleep. Ask them to talk, ask them how they're feeling and see if, if they're experiencing something, try to bring up the subject, because we've had people come in like this gentleman last night I've never heard of a dosage so high, and I think by the time we get done here, I'll have a call from his doctor's office, just updating me because I'm pretty sure he's on about three to five times the dosage he should should be. It's been for all kinds of horrible behaviors, including some that are inappropriate, and he needs to get he needs help. So, understand that uh, addictions, dopamine. Dopamine replacements, Parkinson's. Sometimes they all go together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did that make sense? Um,
0: yeah, it does. I talked about sense. my
1: addictions. Yeah, talk about you can get dopamine from other things. I really feel bad if I keep talking too much. But for example, if you're if you're on a good, a decent dose of dopamine that helps you in you, appropriately, it's possible if you start working out every day the dopamine produced by your brain might be reason to lower the dose of the uh, that
0: was going to be my next question.
1: Yeah. So that's a possibility. Yeah. It's right. actually a possibility. So, yeah.
0: And, and uh, it sounds to me like it's very important to stay in close contact with your doctor who has prescribed a uh, dopamine replacement therapy. Um, yeah. If you're starting a, uh, workout regimen because because then it could you could be producing too much am i correct or getting too much not producing too much
1: it it, yeah exactly yeah you're producing more which is great you want the natural type of occurring dopamine is always the best but um I i think it's also important to um make sure you have a good neurologist you know I get some flack for this, but I'm okay with it because the fact is there are some great neurologists out there who are pressed for time and they don't take the time that they should or they can't because they're like, get them out the door, give them a pill, get them out the door. It's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Or some are just all out blatantly neglectful. They're complete, actually malpractice in my humble opinion. They know what to do. Do they actually do it? We had a recent episode where a gentleman they were going to double his dose of dopamine throughout the day. You can't do this to this guy the last time he had this much he was so dyskinesia he 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 couldn't stay still. He couldn't do anything. You get too much. You're going to get into all this involuntary movement or or maybe it'll just freeze up or both. Oh my gosh, so they didn't do it they he wanted to do it they the, the doctor wanted to. They said, no please no maybe a little bit more but not a lot more Mm. and and so we got our way thankfully but oh my gosh if the neurologists don't listen get another neurologist don't mess with this stuff man
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna take that as to uh really say that with the type of um atrophy and uh uh the MSA and parkinson's and and diseases like this, uh, where also specifically exercise is so incredibly important that the people who are in charge of your exercise uh, really should be working also, not not only like the two the channels of the medical team and the uh, fitness team, uh, shouldn't be talking only to the patient, but actually amongst themselves like there should be a more holistic approach
1: uh absolutely. So I'm really lucky because in this building where my clinic is um the doctor building upstairs um he's not a neurologist, but he I work with a lot of his patients and you know he ends up being the one to regulate the dopamine a lot because he does a way better job than a neurologist does in most cases unless they go to a city down the road about 90 minutes to rochester then you're going to get good care in rochester but it's hard to get here in syracuse um you can get it but it's kind of like you're lucky if you do um i actually feel bad about saying that but you know if, if i don't speak the truth then that doesn't help anybody and, and this is going on all over the place. I see it in Europe. I see it in South America, Mexico. Although Mexico is pretty good, if you're in a big city there, like San Luis Potosi, Monterrey, Mexico City, they're the great neurologists, and they're really forward-thinking communities. But you got to you've got to make sure. Uh, England has had a terrible times, and um, Ireland too. I mean, a lot of places. So seek out somebody really good and reputable. Yeah. I'm also
0: going to say this, if you don't mind. Um, So I'm going to put Carl's information at the bottom of the episode, Mm -hmm. whether it's on YouTube or in the, um, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, if you, because there is a global audience, so I just want people to be able to reach out, maybe uh, ask questions or is there is there an on, can oh, they please. ask online for advice? Do you set up meetings like that? Or Elizabeth or? Oh, young lady,
1: Elizabeth. She might be in the back. Okay, sorry. I'm just going to have her. Could, but
0: could people reach yeah, out absolutely. to absolutely.
1: Yes, yes. Um, Absolutely. Anytime. So you can go to my website, CarlSterling.com. That's K-K-A-R-L. So CarlSterling.com. You can, oh, excuse me, young lady. Can you get me copies of each of those books and maybe bring that little uh, hypersphere over and the gun? Thank you. (laughs) But I also have, um, is it okay to mention my books? Yes. Great. Book number one is called Parkinson's Regeneration Training uh why is it called that well because we want to regenerate quality of life movement thank you so much i um because i'm just a guy pretty normal guy i have contributing authors Mm -hmm. and the left column are medical professionals and the right column are stories highly inspiring stories from people who are living with parkinson's that's the first book second book's a lot smaller but I learned more so I wrote another book called Parkinson's Empowerment Training because same thing we have some medical people and caregivers fitness professionals who've written contributing stories um I I, I'll tell you right now that just about everything we've talked about is in those two books and my publisher is Amazon any publishers out there want to talk to me i'll be willing to listen <laughs> third book comes out well it's about addictions called uh become more than your addictions it's not out yet um understand your brain um i forget the subtitle and and live your best life no excuses that's what it is um fourth book is also under way is it. called neuro aging because i really don't want to be confined to a parkinson's population even though that's what i'm known for which i'm grateful for it really has to do with everybody mm-hmm. you know we, we do a lot with dementia we, here absolutely too. it's a good dementia oh my gosh it's everywhere right so we want to try to not get that
0: i feel like we have to wrap up because you have people coming in who need your service. And uh, I have so well, you many You might more have a questions. life to live
1: and go on here with your no, day. No, but the,
0: here's <laughs> the thing. I have so many more questions and I feel like there are so many more things that we can cover that sure. I, I would love it if you would come back and uh, we would have another discussion because I feel like we just got started. (laughs) Like there was a wealth of knowledge, but I do, I feel like we could, we could get uh, deeper into things. And uh, so if you would,
1: I would love love to to. have you on again. I I would really, really love to do. And and, uh, sometimes I get accused of saying, I'm sorry too much, but it's only because I do it because I know that I get excited talking about this. And the reason I get excited is because I have seen life-changing things happen. I I have seen people's lives change before my very eyes, Parkinson's or not. And I can go through just a little thing here. The nurse upstairs, the main nurse upstairs, rheumatoid arthritis in both feet. Years of pain, standing on her feet all day, working up there with the doctor. Uh, she comes down a couple months ago and says, well, I tried everything else, and they want to surgically alter my feet, so I'd be out of work for a year. Can I try the power plate? We have the top-end power plate. We're really lucky. Yep, gets on. What was she here, like 15 minutes, Elizabeth? Yeah, 15 oh. minutes, yeah. Pain's gone. Gone! Gone! For three weeks, and then she comes back down for little tune ups here and there. She's doing so much wow. better. All I did is put her on a power plate, but we also know there's a lot to talk about with vibration therapy. We see right. literally, not all the time, but life changing results. People come in with neuropathy, gone, or at least gone for a few days or a few weeks. We see people. We're going
0: we're gonna to discuss the vibration therapy, yeah. we're going to get into all that.
1: Frequency therapy with these little patches that that came out of Europe too, uh, but yeah, there's there's so much intervention-wise for uh let's say improving multitasking abilities, cognition, all these different domains of cognition. That's in my second book and domains of memory, and then putting them together, reducing fall. Oh my gosh, there's so much, you know hypersphere i've gone when people come in with pain and you know i'm not a doctor but i've learned from a lot and and so they walk out with either little or no pain and it usually lasts quite a while so you know i'm just doing what i learned there are a lot of there's a lot of hope out there amazing yeah i appreciate so much you having me on and I, I appreciate
0: everything you do. Ramble. <laughs> no, I, I really, I, I loved absolutely every minute of it. And I think that, mm-hmm. um, uh, like I said to you before, I feel like everybody on earth needs to listen to this episode. I feel like it is so important. And, um, this was one of the most motivational conversations I've had.
1: Ah. Uh. Thanks Thank a you. lot. I appreciate that. I just want to, you know, if we reach if we if we reach one person out there D and they start to do this stuff, that's that's enough for me. Hopefully it's more. Um but Absolutely. yes, reach out to me carlsterling.com, carl with a k. Um I do I'm happy to answer questions. I get questions every day in all these different areas, all the social media, consulting, I do on, well, online sessions or whatever. Just, you know,
0: that's going to be uh, listed. That's going to be listed on the episode.
1: Thanks a million.
0: Thank keep, you so much. Have a you great day. So keep started. doing your
1: great work. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. You have a great day. Thank you, everybody, for your patience with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, not at all. Thank you for your knowledge. All no right. Problem. We'll talk soon. You got it. Take care.